You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Greeting, ghouls and gals. Alan Seiler. Teach me to tap dance, Beverly Crusher. <laughs> Veronica Dashel. Hi. <laughs> and thank you for the little special intro, Alan. That was, uh, I was yes. surprised. <laughs> Woohoo! I threw it together in like two and a half minutes. <laughs> I was like, you know what would be cool? Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a minute, I thought it was that Kid Cudi song. Wouldn't that be? <laughs> I should have thought of that. All right. Uh, Keith, do we have some This Week in Trek this week? Yeah, I've got a couple of things I wanted to, to combine. One of them, uh, this is very uh, interesting. On the 24th of October, 1991, we lost the great bird of the galaxy. That was when Gene Roddenberry passed away. Okay. And obviously the guy who created Star Trek, along with some others. I'm I'm starting to more and more as time goes by. I think of Gene Rondry the way you think of Stan the Man Lee. Mm. Absolutely critical, but there are so many other players involved. Mm-hmm. And so but he deserves all the credit he definitely gets. The reason I bring up a death, because I usually don't like to do deaths much anymore, is ironically one year later in 1992, on October 22nd, Gene Roddenberry's ashes were sent into space on the shuttle Columbia. And oh, nice. Yeah, per his wish, he actually wanted to be in space. And I think we had posted a few weeks ago, a couple of months ago, should one be so inclined, there's places where you can actually get on um, ships with other famous people and have your ashes shot in space if you want to do something like that, if that's you know romantic to you, rather than like having your head cut off and frozen like Walt Disney. So Wow. <laughs> <laughs> We have enough money to do that when I die. Don't Uh and give it to charity. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay, and another one. On the 25th of October, 1968, the episode Plato's Stepchildren aired for the first time. Now, aside from being considered by many one of the worst episodes of Star Trek, there is something very interesting about it. You care to guess what was rather significant about the episode? Yeah, Michael Dunn was in it. Yeah, no, that's not it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, okay, this is one of those, you can do like 20 guesses, they're all wrong. No, it was the, um, the, make sure I get this right. It Uh was the first scripted interracial kiss between a white man and an African-American woman on network television. That is correct. <laughs> Although it was not the first interracial kiss. It actually. was not. Yeah, it but was it was, the, you're right. It was the first scripted one on television. Um, again, in our current time, it seems silly, but it was a huge deal in the 60s. And I think I said just a couple of weeks ago, a guy I work with recently told me that he grew up in West Virginia. No offense against West Virginia. Shout out to West Virginia. But he said the people in his little town literally were thinking about running down the television station. If yep. they aired it. So his local station did not air that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Back when people weren't so easily offended. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. 
true. <laughs> one other thing, one other really weird thing about this episode, I found out for the first time, this is 12th episode of the third and final season. It was the last episode of the series with any original music at all. Mm. Now, you had about 14 or so episodes to go, but everything else 100% was canned. Of course, Star Trek had used a lot of canned music before that. Right. And one of the things I thought was fascinating about that, I was thinking about this. If you look at all the shows that those of us of a certain age remember, famous for their music, whether it's MASH or heck, Mary Tyler Moore, or you know, let's go down and down the list. <laughs> I can't think of a single television show in in history where you remember not just the theme song, but several songs from several episodes in that series, as well as you remember the theme song. And I think Star Trek still holds a record for that with the original series in terms of how many songs people remember, you know, the music, everybody knows the battle scene with mm. Spock and Kirk, right. everybody knows the thing called Spock song. So I just think that's fascinating. And I guess, one of the last original songs written for the original series was that bitter dregs that Leonard Nimoy sang. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if um, I mean I can't say whether they're more, they're more memorable, uh, whether mm -hmm. the scoring is more memorable, or just because I watched it a thousand <laughs> times when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and the last one, well, two, last two, in nineteen sixty six, this in uh, nineteen sixty seven, on the twenty seventh of October, nineteen sixty six, the episode Miri premiered okay which is um well you know it's, it's a show some people love some people hate the significance of that is in retrospect miri is the first episode to exemplify what gene rottenberry believed in was the theory of parallel planets that planet according to rottenberry's own words was really a duplicate of earth which is why they had earth tricycles and all the notes from the doctors left behind were in english and of course, we know in reality, that was a money-saving thing. And in one episode of the series, they even talked about Hopkins' theories of parallel planets, which mm. is why you see so many episodes on the same back lot. No, yeah, but this yeah. was the first episode with the so-called parallel Earth. Right. Did I ever tell yeah. you guys, I, I was before my daughter was mm -hmm. born, I was campaigning hard to name her Miri. No. <laughs> I, I thought that was a cool name. <laughs> it cool. is a great name. Um, my ex-wife shot that down, which... Turned out to be fortuitous because, like, the next year, uh, that movie Zach and Miri made a make a porno came out. And I was like, oh, I would not want her to be saddled with that the rest of her life. <laughs> Dodged a that's, bullet there. That's she kind of like the name Miri better, but. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And the last thing, Veronica, 27th of October, 1967, Cat's Paw premiered on NBC. Around Halloween time? What a strange coincidence. Yes. Yeah, so strange. <laughs> Well, speaking of which, we're going to have a little Halloween special tonight. We thought we'd hold off a bit on our Lower Decks discussion. We're going to touch on it probably. We'll probably have to before the end of the show in some capacity. But <laughs> yeah, we're going to deep dive into it next week. Next week, we'll be talking about both the, the final two episodes of the fourth season of Lower Decks. But tonight, we're going to get spookier. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the Star Trek alumni who have appeared in horror movies over the years. Or just Halloween movies, not necessarily horror. True. That's true. Halloween-themed movies. Spooky movies. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, Keith, was this your idea originally? Uh, yeah, I think it was one of the things we had talked about. Because we were okay. talking about... Yeah, we were talking about that we want to do yet another name scary episodes of the original series. Or, you know, I mean, <laughs> oh, of the series. Right. And we figured we'd done that already. So then yeah. I was... And I think... And the thing was, I think I, I what happened, Charles. I, I posted to you guys, no matter what we did, I wanted to mention William Marshall. Mm. And then from that, you're like, well, hey, what about... 
And for those That's listening, true. like, I don't know if Wayne's with us yet or not, but like yeah. Yeah, he five minutes. Yeah, hey, Wayne, for like five minutes, we were texting back and forth, me and Alan and Charles. And I was like, huh, will we have enough? And I literally don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we'll start with William Marshall. Um, I mean, famously appeared in Blackula. Yes. And yes. as Blackula. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's it's such a good it's it's Blackula is a really interesting movie because thanks, Al. Oh, there it is. Look at it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's a stake through his heart. He's <laughs> he's feasting on a female's neck. <laughs> It's great. And it's the thing about Black and that I love is first and foremost, it's a good movie. It's truly a good movie. But it was a movie of its day, which is the 70s. And those old enough may remember there was a whole thing that became a thing called black exploitation movies. And those are basically movies where you had black people primarily, well, not, not primarily men, everybody like uh, Pam Greer and so forth. Yep. Where the guys would like basically take it to the man, kill a bunch of white dudes, you know, thumb the nose at the system, have sex with a lot of women, all this kind of stuff. And it was kind of the overreaction to black people not being given hero roles in Hollywood for so long. And it kind of sort of went the other way. And they're often considered kind of cheesy, uh, over the top. Blackula, by dent of the name, would make you think it's a goofy, cheesy black exploitation movie. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, back in the day. When everybody, anything that was black, they threw black in front of it. So you had superheroes like Black Racer, Black Panther, uh, Black uh, Manta, blah, blah, blah. So this guy was a former slave turned into a vampire by Dracula, and Dracula deemed him Blackula. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Because Dracula's very creative. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But it's really a movie about a man who is trying to find redemption who is trying to find dignity. It's a thing about a man who's black, who's lived so long to see black people evolve from slavery to some semblance of freedom, who is trying to tell black people not to waste their lives. It is actually a tragedy. And what anchors it is absolutely William Marshall, who the fans on this show will remember as Dr. Daystrom Mm -hmm. from The Ultimate Computer. He's also, what was he on Pee Wee Herman King something? Yeah, I don't remember his name, but yeah, he was on. I didn't know it at the time, but I probably saw him mm-hmm. on Pee Wee Herman before I saw him on Star Trek because I was, yeah. I was very young when Pee Wee Herman was on. Yeah, but it's it's a very good movie. It's it's actually done seriously. It's got good acting, and I absolutely recommend it if you ever want to watch something like that from the seventies. And I just love it. Yeah, it can't help but have good acting with William Marshall in it. Mm-hmm. Like, even even without a budget. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Right. All right, who else has got one? Me, me, me. Okay, yay. Go, Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus. Who's in Hocus Pocus? Okay. Um, I did, I, uh, huh? Oh, now I'm blanking on his name. Doug Jones. <laughs> Doug Jones. There we go. Oh, yeah. okay. I've got a yeah, bunch of Doug Jones. He was also Jones Hocus Pocus 2. He's what? He was in Hocus Pocus 2 as well. Yes. I've got a bunch of Doug Jones images from like his stuff, but I forgot to get that one. That could have been the show. Is, <laughs> ain't that the, the truth? Things Doug Jones Doug if we do, yeah, if we do Jeffrey Combs and Doug Jones, full show right there. Yep. Right. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yes. And then also Shape of Water. I I, I feel like that's mm-hmm. a Halloween we'll, we'll movie. Go with um, Hocus Pocus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so, um, I mean, I, I don't know who wouldn't know what Hocus Pocus is, but it's Sanderson Sisters, and they come back from the dead because a virgin lights the black candle, and they come back, and he's, um, 
Doug Jones plays the dead ex-lover of two of the sisters, supposedly, but it was actually only one of the sisters, and he didn't like the other one ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, he's, in, he's in makeup. He's in heavy yeah, makeup. Yeah, as always. Yeah, as all, always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's um, great in that. He does the, the whole, like, he moves like a like a corpse. Not even like a zombie. He moves like a corpse. Really? Yeah. Yes. He's, like, very, you know, rigor mortis, you yeah. know? He is one of the most genius movement artists. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He is just, I mean, he will bring out a unique characteristic of whatever he is playing. And it's just amazing to watch him do it. Even the little touches that he gives Saru is is just brilliant. I agree. Mm -hmm. He, he, he gives Saru an actual grace the way he walks. Oh yeah. It's just amazing. Cause he has cow hooves or or hooves for feet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right. Yeah. He's also was in what pan's labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah. Let me let me get back to that screen. Veronica, hang. I have never seen any version of Hocus Focus. Really? Nope. Oh yeah, there. Oh my. There we go. Wow. Yeah. Oh, nice. What a weird looking creature. <laughs> <laughs> that I mean that's uh it's a really effective look though. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. And Veronica mentioned Shape of Water. Mm-hmm. That's a movie that I absolutely yes, love. It's amazing. Oh, that's a great movie. Yeah. That is a good one. Yeah. And it, it's hilarious because basically Guillermo del Toro wanted to do a creature from the Black Lagoon movie, but yep. Universal wouldn't let him. And mm-hmm. so he's like, all right, F you guys, I'm going to make a better one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and best picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And he played another sort of fish monster kind of dude in mm-hmm. Hellboy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I forgot about Hellboy. Yeah, yeah. And, from. and the original Hellboy, the first Hellboy movie, they had David Hyde Pierce dub his voice uh, because the the studio, you know, didn't want an unknown actor playing the part, even though he yeah. was doing all the work. Um, but I think after that, they let him do the voice himself, mm-hmm. which doesn't seem like it should Good. be an accomplishment. I know, right? Like, <laughs> right? Okay, you can actually speak your own lines. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. But that's true, though. A lot of monster actors don't do voices. I mean, right. or don't get the opportunity to do the voice. Mm-hmm. And they have another actor come in in ADR and do it themselves. Yeah. And, and it's an interesting thing. And sometimes there's a limitation in the makeup or the, the costume design or whatever that prevents the actor mm-hmm. in the creature to be properly mic'd or it, whatever. So sometimes yeah. it's, a ne- it's a necessity, but not yeah. always the case in Doug Jones's work. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. Doug I just love this guy, man. Me mm-hmm. too. And you know, he puts me in mind of another guy who's became, who became famous way beyond he, his expectations was Andy Circus. Yeah. Someone mm-hmm. who also knows how to do motion and contortion kind of work. And I, I love the famous story there because Andy Serkis was hired for what was supposed to be six weeks work on one of the Lord of the Rings movies. And that was, that was supposed to be his career. <laughs> and the same thing, I've listened to interviews with Doug Jones and he was like, I was this tall, gangly, kind of awkward looking guy. I never expected that this was going to happen. I mean, that guy, he's actually older than you think. I think he's like in his sixties. He yeah, was really he young. Mm-hmm. And he's just he just can't not work and people right. love him. It's just amazing. Nobody is more surprised than Doug Jones at his career. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me get some comments because some of these are kind of pertinent. Um, Matt Sweatman says at work, we were watching the broadcast channel movies. And for October Frights, they were showing The Devil's Reign by William Shatner. I have not heard of that one. Mm. Oh, I've seen that one. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Two if it's a bad horror movie before 1975, I've seen it. <laughs> oh, well, that, <laughs> um, two different people, Wayne and Elaine, both point out that Dr. Bernie Case, I'm sorry, William Marshall is the king of cartoons. That's it. Okay. Thank you. And up, Wayne? yep. Wayne also says his favorite is gargoyles featuring dr bernie casey that's where i got the dr bernie casey thing from. I was looking ahead. um and we're, you we'll talk about that one in just a second but he uh-huh. also says that the shape of water made his eyes sweat <laughs> <laughs> right on so hang on so gargoyles let me pull that image up real quick if i can find that's that. a good one another good mm-hmm. choice Wayne. yeah dog yes yes yeah. that's a crazy movie yeah, and the, I love it though. The makeup work is fantastic. It really is. Yeah, it still holds up to this day. Mm. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know who remembers this. Again, I say a lot of stuff saying depending how old you are. When I was a kid, <laughs> CBS, at least the local, I, it was, I think it was national. CBS used to do a thing on Friday nights after the news called CBS Late Night, and they would do movies. And this was going on for years, like when I was seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven years old. And they would do movie blocks and they would always mm. sometimes do horror movies like The Fall of the House of Usher and The Raven. I first saw Gargoyles when I was like nine years old by myself because everybody in the house is asleep. And I was in the living room and I watched this thing in the dark and it scared the crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. And for those who don't know, the reason Wayne mentions him is Bernie Casey played Cal Hudson, who was Benjamin Sisko's great friend in Mm -hmm. Deep Space Nine. And talking about black exploitation, he also really first came to flame fame as playing a black exploitation hero in some movies in the 60s where he mm-hmm. basically ran around killing people and <laughs> kind of loving women which is what they did back in the day <laughs> <laughs> and if i remember rightly dr casey is also a very very good friend of avery brooks which mm-hmm. is That's the right. connection that got him you know into the into ds9 mm-hmm. that is correct so speaking of gargoyles I got another gargoyle that I, I'm dying to talk about, and that is that fantastic ah, animated series, which starred Marina Sirtis as Demona, or something. Isn't that her name? Or is, yes, that's I, it, Demona. Because there's two there's two characters on the on the show with a very similar name, um, mm-hmm. and Jonathan Frakes as David Zanatos. Uh-huh. But it Correct. also had recurring or guest star roles from Brent Spiner, Avery Brooks, mm-hmm. um, Dorney, of course, because he and Marina are best friends, Kate Mulgrew, Nichelle Nichols, Colin Meany, and LeVar Burton. Mm-hmm. Whoa. I didn't that I know that. of. There may be other ones that I didn't see, but I know wow. those were in that show. That's just amazing. That was like the, the Star Trek dumping ground. <laughs> but but it's such a great show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember oh. it being really good. I have I didn't I haven't seen this since it originally aired. It's on Disney Plus, I think. So I need to I need to revisit it. But it I mean, mostly I would watch visit. this and annoy my sister by pointing out every voice that was from, from Star Trek. <laughs> 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 she did not care. <laughs> um, yeah, it when, it is. It's really good. Wayne also points out Doctor Bernie Casey as Hitman. Okay. That, that's the one I was thinking about. If you hit me in, if you watch certain channels such as FXM, it comes on like once a month. 
And if you just want to see people just going around killing people and then, you know, doing their sweet, sweet love the rest of the time, <laughs> that, that was black exploitation movies. What, what more could you want? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Alan, I think, I think there's something very interesting about gargoyles. Um, a lot of actors, especially back in the day, were not just chosen because they could quote unquote act, but they like one of the things about Doug Jones, there was a time when a lot of actors, you know, they used to do stage combat work and they had to learn how to move, actually move voice work, especially for people, veterans like Kate Mulgrew and William Shatner stuff. Voice work is important. So they weren't chosen. Or like, oh, we're just going to grab the Star Trek people. If you listen to those performances, they give phenomenal oh, yeah. voice performances. And mm-hmm. I mean, Jonathan Frakes, who is this kind of cool, good-looking, lovable dude from TNG, he's still cool. He's like the suavest bad guy ever right. in Gargoyles. And the right. voice just works. Yeah, totally. Matt Sweatman says, Gargoyles is like Thundercats in that it was a well-thought-of thought cartoon that he's never seen. Dude. Okay, Wayne, uh, Matt, go watch it at least the first two seasons. Mm. Um because they're phenomenal. Thundercats, it's not bad. Hey, hey, you should have been there, man. <laughs> I was like four when that show started. <laughs> if nothing else, Gargoyle has the fun spot the Trek actor game. So, yeah, you know, true. there's yeah. a, there's like extra level of enjoyment with it. Mm-hmm. But it was, I mean, it was like the, the you know, it, it predates it. But that Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, it's, it's just so good. Yeah. It has no bearing on anything except that Gargoyles was a great show. Like the 90s X-Men show. It was just yeah. good. Right. And another like, thing about Gargoyles. Like Lower Decks. An right. excellent, right. excellent right. animated show. Exactly. And another thing about Gargoyles is there was a time, which seems weird now, where you remember Disney was almost about to, they were literally at one point going to close their animation division. Um, mm. For the television part, at least. And Gargoyles became part of this kind of long thing that was considered the Disney Renaissance, where Disney started producing good stuff again. Um, on the movies, that would be things like uh, The Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. On television, it was things like, seriously, Chippendale, Rescue Rangers, Darkwing Duck, and some things like that. Those things on television um, brought Disney back. Gargoyles absolutely was one of the shows that brought Disney back. Another interesting thing about it is also it was not geared toward kids. There was like one episode where there was things something like guns are bad, you know, one of those now you know. But rather than that, it was a adult complex show with complex and long plots, which yep. is very unusual. Wayne says Keith knows that I am not well versed in comics or cartoons. I'm sorry that I missed Gargoyles. Man, oh, you got plenty dude. of opportunity to go and revisit it because it's an excellent show. Yeah, like I said, Wayne I think it's on Matt. Disney Plus. So yeah. if you have yeah. Disney Plus, check it out. Yeah. Wayne and Matt, leave the sh- leave now. Go watch. I mean, <laughs> no, don't leave yet. <laughs> Keep watching us. You can finish one by the time we're done, and we'll, you can come back and let us know what you thought. <laughs> we'll wait. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, the one that I was going to mention is older. Um, of course. It's the William Castle <laughs> film, House on Haunted Hill. Oh, oh I don't yes. have that on my image. I'm Which, sorry. Um, among the cast was Elijah Cook Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's fantastic. And I think he's, he even like opens the film where it's just like just his head floating in black. And um, I mean, he he's he's fantastic. You you see him a lot on in popping up in old movies. Yes. But uh, House on Haunted Hill is it's a it's a 
like so William Castle made that film, so it's mm-hmm. very much in the William Castle vein, but it featured Vincent Price. And I mean, it's a, a classic thing where these folks are, you know, if they can if they can su- survive in the house overnight, they're going to mm-hmm. win some money. And uh, spooky things happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's a really a fun good... movie, and he's fantastic in it. Yeah, he and it's a great film. Mm-hmm. I love it. I haven't seen it, really it in a long is. time, though. I really need to revisit that. Yeah. As a matter of fact, for what you said, Charles, if you rewind to back in the day in the 60s when Elijah Cook showed up as Samuel T. Cogley, attorney that's, at law. That's right. For those watching, it was a big deal because yeah. they were like, hey, it's that dude from like yeah. a million B movies and horror movies back in the day. So that yeah. so he yeah, I've seen so many movies with him from the mm-hmm. 40s and the 50s and stuff. It's just amazing. Yeah. I mean, he's a fantastic actor and it mm-hmm. it it's funny how many, you know, actors who have appeared in genre things like in Gargoyles, it's the other way around where they've been on Star Trek first and they were cast for Gargoyles. Right. In a lot of cases, these folks are in these genre things first and then end up in Star Trek. Um, (laughs) Right. Well, a lot of up and and coming actors, you know, make some quick dough doing some horror movies Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's either soap operas or it's like really bad comedies like sex comedies <laughs> or it's horror movies. And yeah. so it's kind of like a cutting your teeth kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, I just, I would just do horror movies, <laughs> but also I mean, there, there, there's some similarities though. With the, you have to mm-hmm. dealing with prosthetics or special effects or heightened yeah. language or, you yes. know, you let, absolutely. And going the other way going, I mean, I'm surprised more shows don't, I mean, I guess they do like sci-fi shows do, but like gargoyles, mm-hmm. it makes sense to, to lean on, next gen alumni because i mean if you have to have them saying spells and incantations like these folks can handle track uh, no babble like they they're gonna be <laughs> fine you know they've, they've, right. they've proven they can handle it right you're right you, you can see like you can see their training in stagecraft and and, and melodramatic tv movies and stuff and I, an example i think of that is the uh, original series episode the enemy within where when William Shatner's been split, you remember he does an incredibly common stagecraft thing where he shows up on the transporter pad with his back to the camera, mm-hmm. and then he does the dramatic turn. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff people used to get trained to do back in the day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I may do the reveal. Mm-hmm. All right, so who else has got one? Well, let's talk about... Oh, hang on, let me get back to my... Where the hell did they go? My screen. Um, l- let's talk about Pet Cemetery. Because that's got a couple of really interesting. It was the first big role that <laughs> Denise Crosby did after she left Star Trek. And her co-star in this scene right here is a gentleman called Brad Greenquist, who mm. is a character actor and does bit things here and there. But he was in four different episodes of uh, Star Trek. He was in two episodes of Enterprise, Dawn and Affliction, and those were seasons two and four, I think. And he was also in um, Who Mourns for Mourn in DS9. And in Voyager, he was in Warlord, which was a great episode. And he, I, I know this guy because he was one of our early guests at the convention I used to run. At the time, it was called Timegate. And he, we got him because he had done a big role in Stargate. And I was excited to meet him because of the, his four different Star Trek roles. <laughs> and it ended up being his first ever convention. Mm. And he was the nicest dude. He was so much fun. Uh, I love that guy. 
but Pet Cemetery Man is a one of the modern classics, and both Denise and Brad are just fantastic in it. Um, Elaine says Will Wheaton and Stand by Me. Is that a horror movie? No, no. They do find a dead body. They do. That's true. Yeah. Maybe it's this guy in this image here. <laughs> and Wayne says Nimoy Shatner Takei, and I think a few others are in Twilight or Twilight Zone alumni. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right. So speaking of Nimoy, how about how about where is it? Oh no, where is it? Did I not save it? Um Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Okay. Yeah, somewhere in here. I was going to wait and see if you had zombies of the stratosphere. No. I was be impressed. Like, wow. <laughs> I don't. Oh, there we are. I don't know why it didn't sort alphabetically. No, not that one. This one. <gasps> yes. That's a oh. good movie. I love that movie. Yeah. I love every version of this movie. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it does the same sort of thing like Star Trek does, where it's playing on the paranoias and fears of the time. Yes. Um, and things like communism and losing our individuality mm-hmm. and things like that. Right. And the original version of that film is exactly what that is. And this mm-hmm. is the 1978 remake with right. Nimoy, of course. Of, <laughs> Nimoy, of course. <laughs> of course, of course. You can edit that out of the podcast. <laughs> or leave it. Or leave it. That's fine, too. Um, but, yeah, that whole, like, Red Scare thing in the mm-hmm. 50s is where so many of those great B-movie, you know, sci-fi classics come from. Yeah, that whole, absolutely. like, you can't trust your your neighbor because you don't know if they're an alien or not. I mean, mm-hmm. it's all back to you don't know if they're a communist spy or not. And it mm-hmm. was this paranoid environment that these things came up in and is fascinating study. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those are themes that carried through to like DS nine played heavily on that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, especially during the changeling arc. Yeah. Especially during. Yeah. And then absolutely. like in, in the actual, like in the, in the, in the two thousands, um, war on terror time frame. And I was like, wow, DS nine was about this <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because it uh, was very much a theme <laughs> in culture again. Um, and not communism that time, but just that, that people could be, you know, enemies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Elaine offers a clarification about her insertion of Stand By Me because it is Stephen King. Stephen King. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. It makes sense. There's a connection. All right. You can stay, Elaine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Elaine, we love you. We would never kick you to the curb. All, All right. right what got- else, y'all? Well, I was going to mention uh, the film Reanimator. Starring okay, Jeffrey yes. Holmes. That one too. Okay. Yes. We all love. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, inspired by H.G. Lovecraft, but uh, a modernized version of it. And I mean, Reanimator is a fun movie. I haven't seen this movie in a long time, but when we were talking about doing this topic, that was the first thing, the first one I thought of was Jeffrey Combs and Reanimator because, yeah. uh, I mean, for one, it's Jeffrey Combs. Sorry, and that was a mistake. <laughs> like, that wasn't Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> no, I, was like, I don't think that's Jeffrey Combs. They had really good makeup on him. Yes. <laughs> Have you guys seen Re- Reanimator? Yes, not in a very, very long time. I'm the same way. Yeah, yeah. And what's very interesting about that is uh, what you're saying, Charles. Is Jeffrey Combs works so well in that movie? Mm -hmm. He he has a. It's funny. He has a frankly has a creepiness a creepiness factor about him 
that always makes you think when you see him and stuff, if he's like that in real life. Um, I think Andrew <laughs> Robinson is like that as well, yes. but they're not. I've listened to recent interviews with both of them on the, uh, on a couple of, there's a podcast called the shuttle pod mm-hmm. um, with um, gosh, the guys from enterprise. Connor uh, Keating, Dominic Keating. Yep. Yeah. They've had them on there and they're, they're lovely men with also again, incredibly distinguished and classic training. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you realize it's kind of like what we talked about with comedy, the stuff that looks so easy and you think anybody can do it. You realize mm-hmm. how much energy it takes to do stuff like that and make yeah. it, you know, not come off as stupid. Right. Uh, and he also, of course, you know, on Star Trek, he's played, my God, I, you couldn't even list all the characters Jeffrey Combs has played on Star Trek. Well, yeah. Uh, well, we can pull up IMDb and then we absolutely can. <laughs> I bet we could. I bet we could. <laughs> Him and the actor who played Admiral Force, they, I mean, my gosh, they just go on and on That's and true. on and on. That's true. Right. All right. What you got, Keith? Well, another one that I was going to mention, also talking about, let's, let's keep in that vein of people who seem scary, is Andrew Robinson. Mm-hmm. Who, of course, right. is most famous as Garrick in Deep Space Nine, everybody's favorite, Taylor. Just a plain and simple Taylor. If only we had a photo of him. <laughs> hey, we do. Oh, there it is. Is that uh, Hellraiser? It sure is. Yeah, he started a movie Hellraiser that is man. It's a even by t- even today, it's a trip. It's all about a dude who gets involved in this weird demonic stuff. It's Clive Barker, I believe, who was yep. all about weird alternate dimensions of pure evil, and it's a creepy movie. This guy descends into madness in ways that are just creepy. There's a scene I'll never forget. And the funny thing is, I took my wife to see this. When it premiered, still not having yet glommed on to the fact that she literally cannot handle anything scarier than the 1930s Universal Monster movies. There's a scene where Andrew Robinson's character literally takes a knife and starts carving up a rat on the thing. And the thing is, yes, he is so scary when he does it. He's one of those actors where you're like, I wonder if he's like this in real life. I mean, (laughs) um, and for those old enough, my first exposure to him was not a horror movie, but he played the serial killer in the first Dirty Harry movie. Mm -hmm. Also incredibly scary. And just another incredibly good actor. He also did another horror movie. It was the second in the series called Pumpkinhead. But he did he did Pumpkinhead too. <laughs> he most oh, you got did. It. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I mean, any movie that's gonna have the subtitle Blood Wings yes. is okay in my book. And and guys like Wayne and Matt, you said some of these things you haven't seen. And some of these things, if you're younger than I am, you may not have seen them. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna say seriously, every movie we name, even when some of the ones Charles is gonna bring up, and I, and I mean that Charles because they're funny. You need to watch them. I mean, they're just great B movies. They're sometimes so goofy. So I mean, we certainly think you need to watch them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, what's funny too is that a lot of these movies, I mean, they're not mm-hmm. the top shelf movies, right? They're no. not the, the big A list movies. No. But these are young actors who, like, we know their work. Like, we, right. you know what I mean? Like, if you're watch, if you were watching these films, you wouldn't know who Andrew Robinson was in yeah. 1904 yeah. or whatever. Mm. But now, like, being able to go back and watch him as a younger actor with no makeup and anything or anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 fantastic. And I mean, like, Andrew Robinson's not a guy who you think of as being like physically imposing. No. But yeah, he's a, he can he can play intimidating <laughs> very well. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and also, I would say Charles said these weren't top shelf movies. That's funny because that's a literal thing. Because back in the day when we used to go to the store, Blockbuster, to rent <laughs> movies, these were the movies that might be on the bottom of the shelf or in the yep. back behind the famous horror movies. And these are the ones you would just go pick up because they were cheap and they were fun. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. If you if you bend over a little bit, you're going to find some interesting films when you mm -hmm. go to Blockbuster. <laughs> what was that, yeah. Alan? <laughs> You know what I mean. You know what I mean. You're talking about a whole different. about Blockbuster is you can yeah. find all kinds of awesome stuff. You're talking about a whole different kind of store than I am. I'm talking about Blockbuster. Thank you very much, Veronica. What else you got? Uh, nothing. Oh, okay. Well, then, since we mentioned Hellraiser, I'm going to get on with the Dax angle. Okay. Hellraiser three featured. Oh my goodness. Terry Farrell, <laughs> who, of course, would become Jadzia Dax, and her successor, who played, uh, that would be Nicole DeBoer, who played uh, the other Dax. What's her name? Esri. De Esri, Esri, thank yeah. you. I don't know why I just went blank. Esri Dax. Um, she was in a, a really bizarre movie called Cube. That was good. And, dude, I yes. love that movie. It is, is so that the first weird. one? Yeah. It's oh, a yeah. it's a serious mind trip. It is like yes. it is twisted, and yes. it's basically you're like locked into this thing, and you have to decide how to get out. And it trips you up, and it tricks you, and it turns you on each other. And it is a great movie. Yeah, I remember seeing that exactly one time, and I feel like it was a Sci-Fi Channel movie, or I was watching it on the Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah. But uh, it was super cool. Yeah, it's really good. And Nicole also had a starring role in a series called Dead Zone, mm -hmm. oh, which I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. It was fun yeah. to see it because of Nicole being in it. But I was also a big fan of um, whatever that guy's name is. I'm not a big fan anymore, apparently, because um, <laughs> I knew him from uh, first from Saturday Night Live when he was like a kid. He was on Saturday Night Live and he was in 16 Candles and some, you know, just Is great movies like that. Hall? What's that? Is it Anthony Michael Anthony Hall? Anthony Michael Hall. Thank you. Yeah. He was in like uh, SNL season eight, was eight or nine or something like that. And he was great. And then 16 Candles, just a phenomenal film. But then he grew up, his face filled out a little bit. And he did this <laughs> movie about a guy who could basically like psychically commune with dead people and oh mm -hmm. my god it was so good i love yeah. it yeah, kind it of a low budget series. series but it was really excellent no, it, it was, was good. a good series it was a continuation of um the movie starring christopher walken that and, and the dead zone is um written by stephen king yeah but it wasn't the i think the series was done by michael pillar uh, yes. yes 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 you're yes. absolutely right i've forgotten about that yeah yeah and maybe that explains why it's much better than you would expect for a series to be following <laughs> a successful movie because it's actually a good series. It really is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It was like on um, USA or something. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Uh, Wayne has three things he's pitching in here. One, how about Sally Kellerman in, get this, Slither? Yes, I've seen that. <laughs> um, he says. Speaking of goofy movies, Keith, remember Star Crash featuring Christopher Plummer? I sure do. One time only. <laughs> <laughs> that was enough. <laughs> right. And he also says Cube was awesome. Yes. Heck yes. Yeah, man. Now, Matt Sweatman says, 
I assume someone has Tony Todd as Candyman. Yes. Oh, absolutely. That was going to be the next ever. one I mentioned. Um, there you go. He has it pulled up. Yeah, I, 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 I pulled it up <laughs> on my screen so I wouldn't forget about it. Uh, he's fantastic. Tony oh Todd God. is fantastic in everything he does. But yeah. Yes. Yeah. He, he, was, he was great in those films. Mm-hmm. How many were there? Three that I think. So. Yeah, I don't one, remember, but Candyman, a remake, uh, Candyman, a sequel, and at three. least one. Three. Yeah, there was Farewell to the ago. Flesh and Day of the Dead. There you go. Uh-huh. Are those from back the then? Wikipedia. I said I had it on the screen. I guess I should have read the screen. I pulled up. <laughs> <laughs> which, I, I don't remember which one starred Sammy Davis Jr., though. I don't either. No, I'm kidding. You know, he had that song, <laughs> The Candyman. I do. Oh. Okay. <laughs> the Candyman can. Tony yeah. Todd will tell you all about it. Yeah. And Tony Todd, another guy whose very presence is imposing. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything he does, he just he just brings it. You can't not oh my look gosh. at him, pay yeah. attention to him. He's, of course, fam- he was famous, of course, as Kern, mm-hmm. uh, Worf's brother, who, in my opinion, got completely completely screwed in that storyline on DS9. That's a conversation yes. for another day. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good that's a good show topic. People who got screwed <laughs> in Star Trek yes. in a negative way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he also did of course a memorable role playing interesting choice, but he played the grown-up Jake Sisko mm-hmm. in the absolute famous Deep Space Nine episode The Visitor. Yeah. Where and he, and he, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say he played several like roles in prosthetics, including Worf's brother, like you said. But it's mm-hmm. funny. I think that he's most remembered for Star Trek for being in The Visitor. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. I think so, too. He conveyed, frankly, a gentleness of acting that you would not have maybe perhaps expected given his mm-hmm. other roles, especially if you've seen him as Candyman. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he just nailed it. He's a really, really good actor. Yeah. And uh, he's, he's, a, he's a big guy. When mm-hmm. he's got that voice. So yes. it's great to see him in a role like older Jake Sisko where he's playing the opposite. By the end, he's a frail old man yeah. like crying yeah. to his dad, yeah. which is mm-hmm. not something you – I mean, I wouldn't – I'm not an expert on Tony Todd's uh, like filmography, but I wouldn't expect that he gets cast that as that a lot. Yeah. You know, yeah. like you right. should, they want him to be the tough guy and the alien and, and things like that, right? Or, or the candy man, you know? Yeah. <laughs> He also starred in some of the Final Destination films. Mm. Uh, oh. About those those kind of young kids who somehow always avoid death, and then death basically keeps chasing them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because <laughs> they gotta die. Yeah. And he was in the 1990 version of The Night of the Living Dead, which mm. was that. That's not one you gotta look up. Was, <laughs> no, was, exactly. Was, yeah. Everybody knows what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it was. It was just kind of fair. Yeah. Oh wow. All right, so who have we not covered yet? I mean, this this topic could go on forever. We're not going to try to get everybody. Um, I got one <laughs> no, more. I know. Okay, go ahead. I got one more, and actually, I was going to post this in our group as, as um, I was actually going to post on scariest performances, even if it wasn't straight up horror. And Brad Dorf. Oh, Brad Dorf. For those who may not remember, was the psychopathic killer in two episodes of Voyager, Ensign mm-hmm. Suter, mm-hmm. who yeah. was. Strangely, a Betazoid whose Betazoid powers were blocked. He had no telepathic or empathic powers, but he was a sociopath. Um, and the whole point of the show was <laughs> he literally, when, when he's introduced on the show, he had murdered another crewman. And they said, why'd you do it? He goes, I didn't like the way he looked at me. Yeah, He was creepy, made creepier by the fact that as a Betazoid, they have black eyes. So they right. put those super black contact lenses. And Brad Dorf is one of those guys who, like Andrew Robinson and Jeffrey Combs 
he can play creepy just by looking at you. Just the way he stares, it's not over emoting, it's under emoting. And he's mm-hmm. very scary as in the sense of suitors. But he starred in several of the Child's Play movies, the Chucky, mm-hmm. the oh, Chucky yeah. movies. Also in Alien 3, I'm sorry, Exorcist 3, Alien Resurrection, and a really old movie that was just on TCM last night that some may remember starring Faye Dunaway, The Eyes of Laura Mars. Mm. I don't remember. He that. was also in that. Oh, oh Alan's got it. Yes. There you go. That's a that's a movie about a New York photographer who becomes cyclically bonded to a serial killer who starts killing people she knows and she mm-hmm. sees the murders in through the killer's eyes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Brad Dorf is in it. Um, and one last thing, it's not a horror movie, but you might remember Brad Dorf in a great performance as Grimmer Wormtongue in the mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings movies, The Servant of That's Sauron. Right. That's yeah, right. Sargon, Sargon, Sargon. Yeah, yeah Sargon. <clears throat> great, scary actor. Great character actor. Yeah, he. Brad Dorf just pops up all over the place. He's a fantastic mm-hmm. character actor. Yeah, yeah, really good. All right, I'm just going to hit some of the um, some of the images that I downloaded, and okay. we haven't got to yet. So we just hit Alien Resurrection, which I thought we weren't going to get to, but Exorcist Three. Hmm. I don't know who was in that. That was a. Uh, I'm not sure who was in that. Uh, it was oh Jeffrey Combs. Uh, Jeffrey Combs. I, I feel like if if I go through these and we don't know who, if who was in it, we'll just guess Jeffrey Combs and we'll probably be right. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. But we know he wasn't in Forbidden Planet. <laughs> I don't know who was. Hang on. Um, Forbidden yeah. Planet. Yeah. The the dude who played um. The, uh, Space Kelvin. Station Kesa. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, the guy, the Kelvin guy. Yeah. The guy who played Rojan. Rojan. Right. Um, Warren, Darren Stevens. Well, not Darren Stevens. Warren Stevens. That's it. Darren oh, Stevens. yeah. Right there on the poster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is on the poster. You're right. Yep. Okay. Lord yes. of Illusions. That was, and that's another Clive Barker. That was Captain Archer himself. Yes. Huh? Scott Bakula. I have not seen that. Uh, it looks super interesting, but I've never seen it. It's it's kind of another kind of, if you like, it's it's a very typical Clyde Barker movie. And that's not an insult. If you like oh, no. Clyde Barker stuff, it's very, it's very good. Clyde Barker stuff is creepy to me. God, I love Clyde Barker. He's kind of like an inheritor of H.P. Lovecraft. He's all about like whole dimensions and universes of mm-hmm. evil and madness and sadism. And, ugh, right. Really weird stuff. And I guess the only other image that I put on here that we haven't got to yet is Oh Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Saniqua. Yeah. That's what she was famous for oh, yeah. prior to Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. It was such an exciting thing when she got announced as leading a Star Trek show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was so jazzed up about that. Absolutely. I knew yeah. she was going to be amazing. Another <laughs> right, so, we, we oh, don't have a picture of, but I want Charles to mention really quick. <laughs> And again, Matt, Elaine, if y'all have to see this, you just got to go look for it. Charles wants to talk about the <laughs> a movie about giant rabbits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can save that for next year. We're talking because DeForest Kelly's in it. Yes. Um, but no, we can, we can hold that for next year because um, we're, getting clo- we're getting close to time. And I was going to see if we, yeah. want, we still wanted to touch on the Lord X episode before okay. we wow. Let me it. burn through the last bit of comments then before we okay. uh, segue over to our actual Star Trek topic. Um, let's see. Wayne says, Imperial spaceship, halt the flow of time. 
Sorry, had to get it out of the system. And that was Star Crash. Yes. <laughs> Elaine says William Shatner was in oh the Halloween movies. Because <laughs> they used his Halloween mask as good call. <laughs> oh my god. That's so brilliant. I wish I had thought of that. I'm gonna D-cut, put that Elaine. Oh, yeah, you win. Uh somebody was Chucky. Yeah, Brad Dorf. Brad Dorf. Oh, okay. Um he says that this is Wayne. He says, Don't forget Dune with Brad Dorf. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, he was so good in that. Yeah. And Michael Phillips says Dorf was also Michael. in Wise Blood in 1979, a film by John Houston that was filmed in my hometown, Macon, Georgia. Look okay. at that. That's super um, cool. I want to I want to throw in real this. I promise this is super quick because people will attack us if we don't say, of course, William Shatner was in two Twilight Zone episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I feel like everybody knows that. Yeah. The classic Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, and another one that's much more subtle called Nick of Time, where he mm-hmm, plays yeah. a guy who literally gets attached to this little stupid dime sword demon creature that's supposedly predicting his future. And another one that is... That was a really good one. Yes. And another one that completely is probably no one's seen is a movie called Green Room, starring Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart plays the leader of a racist, skinhead, murderous group of people who some unfortunates come across. And let's just say there's a scene where Patrick Stewart sends in some dogs to tear people apart, literally. Mm. It is Patrick Stewart like you've never seen him. It's called Green Room. Yeah, I think that was when he trying to distance himself from from (laughs) Captain Picard. That and Uh, Jeffrey. Yeah. Yeah. Both going in opposite directions. Soul Forge Podcast. It's a geeky look at love, life, fandom, mental health, pop culture, and so much more. If you're into learning about yourself and the universe, Soul Forge is your podcast. Each week, we have a surprising new topic. From stupid things we do for love, to product reviews, and there's almost always a fun guest host. Like and subscribe to Soul Forge Podcast. Today... All right. So, do we want to talk about lower decks? Yeah. 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 Do we want to go spoiler it, or do we want to give base compressions and save that rest for next week? What do you want? I, to I do? think we should save all that stuff for next week when okay. we have a full episode to talk right. about both of the whole two parter. Okay. So, just general impressions, just I guess. Spoiler free. Spoiler free, baby. That's right. So, I, the was, scene in the cave was Mariner's reveal of this is why I'm like this. Holy cow. Like, holy yeah, this cow. Was, Called that the was, inner fight, which I thought was an interesting title. And mm-hmm. the inner, a lot of their titles have like double meanings based on what's right. going on oh, in yeah. the show. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have That's a lot a, to yeah, say about yeah. that scene next week. Yeah, I hope I don't Same forget. Here. <laughs> <laughs> just watch them again. I'm just yeah. gonna say th- I loved this episode. Mm-hmm. The, after I watched it this morning before I went to work, and my initial impression is I think. It's my favorite Lower Decks episode. Wow. It was so damn good. Yeah. Um, And all the things that we always say about Lower Decks, about what great character work it does, and how much story it packs into 24 minutes, and all these things, it did all that stuff this week to a new level. Mm. Yeah. 
And my God, I, I just want to, I just want to find Terry Metalis at a subway somewhere and just hug him. Mike McMahon. I mean, Mike McMahon. Yes. I'll hug Terry Metalis too. I love you him. Hug too. everybody. Yeah. I'll hug anybody, but yeah, uh, Mike yeah. McMahon. Holy God. Just yeah. amazing. But yeah, I, I loved this episode and I am so excited about next week. What about you, Keith? I agree with everything Alan said. I And I think it was Veronica and Alan also said last week is every single time you look at an episode of Lower Decks and somebody is acting weird or something, you're like, oh, that doesn't make sense. It pays off. Because again, not with spoiling, but when Mariner started, was acting certain ways, I'm like, what the heck? They, they yeah. regressed. They paid off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and they had two complete storylines running. One thing I've, I've complained about many times is it's a personal opinion. I've never kind of sort of liked the thing that Modern Track has gotten with as an A story and a B story. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like it takes away that when one of them is minor, the old the original series didn't have that many. Lower decks, when they do A stories and B stories, they really feel like parallel stories. You don't feel mm-hmm. like one of them is like given short shrift. And so they tell two different it's like they're going to two different places and they both work. And I just love the way they can do that. And by modern Trek, you mean everything since 1987, because every yeah, Trek has yeah, an A and true. a B and sometimes yeah. a C story. Yes, yes, that's actually, true. Yeah. Modern, yeah. modern Trek doesn't even do it that much. It's, yeah. You're talking about the previous modern <laughs> Right. Yeah. I think we're, we're in post-modern Trek now. I don't know. I lost. <laughs> Third base. <laughs> 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 okay, uh, Matt Sweatman says someone needs to make a watch list of all these films. Keith did. We can do that. We can put yes. it out on our on our socials. We actually can. Um, Matt says I agree with Alan. This show has become so much more than what it began, and it was pretty great in the beginning. Yep. Yeah. I have yeah. got so much to say about tonight's mm-hmm. episode. I don't know if I can wait until next week and not explode. <laughs> But so everybody tune in next week to hear me like Explode. gush forth all the stuff that I have to say about this week's episode. <laughs> Charles, yeah. and then, liked it. Um, uh, Wayne it. also <laughs> chimes in about a watch list. And he also says, we're getting to the bottom of the two biggest mysteries of the season. Spoiler free, right? Yes. That's right. Spoiler That's right. free. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. What were you, no. And I, I, I was going to say, I mean, I did like it. I like it every week. There are some things right. in it that I have mixed feelings about, um, particularly mm-hmm. with the, the development of some of the twists and turns of the season. But mm-hmm. I'll save that stuff for next week. But the, yeah. the, the striking thing to me about this week is that we we decided like three weeks ago that we weren't going to talk about Lower Decks tonight. And then this yeah. morning, Alan sends me a message like, man, I wish you were talking about Lower Decks. And then later <laughs> on, like an hour later in our in our little, we have a little private group. And Keith was like, man, it's too bad we're not talking about Lower Decks. And I'm like, look, <laughs> I know. <laughs> we made the rule. <laughs> yes, I know. Wow. It's become a show that's hard not to talk about. Like you get excited Absolutely. about it. Absolutely. Um, what did you think, Veronica? Um, I was not a fan of a section of the A story, but uh-huh. I really liked the B story. Okay. Interesting. Which one do you consider which? That's what I was going to say. I don't know which one. <laughs> I have the same question. <laughs> don't spoil that. I considered the, the story that Mariner was in the A story. Okay. Okay. I thought so. Okay. Okay. That is great. We all had the same question. <laughs> all right. So next week, no general Trek topic. It's going to be just a lower yes. decks evening, right? We're right. About, we, we we both the both parts of the two part um the last two mm-hmm. episodes of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe doing some speculating as to where it's going next because it might be a while before we get the next season. Yep. Um, right. But it's going to be a lot of fun. 
Yeah. Um, so for that, tune in next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we go out live on Facebook and YouTube, or uh, you can tune in on YouTube after the fact or on your favorite podcast platform. This goes as an audio podcast. If anyone remembers that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what we're talking about next, um, I, I, I had a question I wasn't sure. I, I'm not aware of. I can't remember. Do voice actors in animation count as part of the SAG after strike? No. Mm-mm. Okay. Okay. So no, they can but... they can work then, right? Technically, yes. Yeah. Um, yes, that's, that's the, the best of my knowledge, but the, the writers couldn't, am I still correct about that? And so yeah. everything is I just sort the writer strike ended. It did, but okay. it, yeah. I mean, it, but it, I said they couldn't. So it, everything oh, yes. right. got delayed. Yes. Right. Oh, okay. So um, anything that hadn't been written can only just now have started. Yeah. 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 So yeah. we'll see. Um, but in the meantime, Alan, where can people find more of you? Well, I have another podcast called Modern Musicology, and we are coming up on our 100th episode, and it's going to be a special one. We are we had our uh, upcoming episodes kind of all planned out, and then the Beatles announced that they were going to release one final Beatles song. So uh, (laughs) that comes out one week from today, next Thursday. So that week's episode, we're going to just talk about the new Beatles song. And and so I'm excited about that. I can't wait to hear it. Um, And then I've got another show called Doctor Who A to Z. And right now we are like running full steam ahead toward the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. And so we are reviewing all of the past anniversary stories as we prepare for this year's 60th anniversary special episodes. So tune in to both of those. That would be appreciated. And how about you, Keith? Uh, you can find me on X and Facebook, primarily the ESO Network Facebook groups. And I also want to say, Charles, actually, that uniform works on you. Oh. Yeah, it actually does work. <laughs> it's it's your color. <laughs> and how about us, Veronica? Well, nerdy.com, which takes you to our Facebook page. For now. For, For now. now. We're working on it. <laughs> <laughs> and where else? Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys. That's right. And we've got some special episodes coming out. Uh, we're yeah. doing uh, a couple special episodes discussing the film and soundtrack head for the 50th, 55th anniversary. Yes. Um, we're also, uh, we're all going to the, Mickey Dolans is doing a record release party at Wuck Street Records in Athens, Georgia. And we're going to be there and we're going to get wow. to briefly meet Mickey Dolans. We'll give a report on that as well as Mickey's new EP, Mickey Dolans, uh, Dolans Sings R.E.M. Yeah, uh, which is uh, it's going to be great. We're going to have a great yeah. time. So we've got yeah. a, several fun episodes coming out of uh, monkeying around. So tune into so, that. So do you have any special guests on those head episodes? Nobody special, but Alan's going to be on. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, talking yeah, talking but, about the film, which I had never seen before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a, uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be oh, it's going to be a fun episode. I know because I've heard it. <laughs> <laughs> We've experienced it. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, Veronica. Do you have a closing for us this week? Happy Halloween. I'll take it. <laughs> Personally. <Yeah. laughs> Over the last couple of weeks, I'll take it. <laughs> this one. Oh, good. All right, everybody. Take care. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next Thursday, 8 o'clock. Ser- season finale of Lower Decks. Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. 
We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.